We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 31, and this is one of two revelations given for Thomas B. Marsh. And Thomas B. Marsh, um, just to put in your head, is the one that the striplings, the cream and the striplings incident happened, strippings, not striplings, sorry, strippings, where they there was an arrangement between his wife and another woman to exchange milk so they could make cheese. And it went before the church court, kept being appealed because his wife kept being found in the wrong. And Anyway, he does go away from the church for 20 years and then comes back. And one of the sweetest things is he does come here. And it's that statement of the Lord could get, I have found the Lord could get along just fine without me. And I'm saying this in my own words, but oh, what I have lost. And it's just such a tale for all of us of that constant vigilance and what it looks like to endure and to be faithful. Endure isn't hanging on. Endure is fortifying every single day. You don't get to gain a testimony and be done with it. You don't get to read the Book of Mormon and say, I know, and then never worry about it again. There's a reason that we are told to read our scriptures every day to say our prayers and it's not just say your prayers it says valiantly and faithfully and enthusiastically and with all our hearts and all of that and that's because God knows that it takes that constant vigilance for us to remain faithful it's every day waking up asking what would you have me do and at the end of the night going through the day and I even love that people have said creating your day spiritually with God first, going through, and then at the end of the day, repenting and and talking through and making accounting before the Lord. And I love that. Okay, and I do love in 1857, um, he came out to join the saints and Brigham Young let him speak in front of a conference. And he talked about how he fell away and then they voted unanimously to bring him back in full fellowship. And that's so touching to me because again, what an example of humility to say, I messed up. I was jealous of the prophet. I got angry and I let the anger take control. And again, it's exactly what we talked about before. It's the fall of Adam and Eve and hearkening to Satan. And that's what we are learning. So if we take that example of theirs and say, what an opportunity to learn. I don't want to make that mistake again. This is what happened when I hearkened to him and the fruits of that. And this is what happens when I follow Christ and the fruits of that. And so every day deciding who we're going to pair with and who we're going to go on this journey with. And I love that. So I love this example of Thomas Marsh. And so this is... He has just been baptized. He has just joined the church. And some cool things that I found out about him is when he was 14, he ran away from home. And in his 20s, he was married in Boston and he he studied the Bible. And he had the opinion and would tell people that a new church would arise and it would have truth in its purest form. And so he was searching for that truth. And in 1829, he meets Martin Harris at E.B. Grandin's, and he has 16 pages of the Book of Mormon that have been printed, and he reads them. 
And then he goes, um, Martin Harris takes him to meet Oliver Cowdery. And for one year, he writes Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith and then moves out west. And here he's been baptized and he joins with the saints and is ordained an elder. So he joins with the saints and is ordained very, very quickly and called to do great things in the church. And so he at this time has three sons. His oldest is nine. Okay, and so let's start in verse 1. It says, Thomas, my son, blessed are you because of your faith in this work. And it's so true. I mean, his story is touching that this man really investigated and wanted to find truth, a lot like Joseph Smith, and really researched and loved that. And then it says, um, verse 2, you have had many afflictions because of your family. And yes, he has. Nevertheless, I will bless you and your family, yea, your little ones, and the day cometh that they will believe and know the truth and be one with you in the church. And I love that because um, obviously he did not come from a family that as he ran away, I don't know anything about it, but obviously not a family that he wanted to recreate. And here he's got these three little boys and he wants them to know truth and he wants to create this beautiful family with them. So I love that the Lord is aware of that. I remember the story that Elder Eyring often would tell, President Eyring would tell of going and getting his patriarchal blessing and how he said his greatest desire in the whole world, and he was a teenager, was to have a family. And he even talked about he could see them in his mind's eye and in his mind's eye he had read some red-headed children. And so when the patriarch talked about um, that he would have a wife and children, he just cried. And he talks about that meant everything to him because that was, he said, a secret desire at that time. That was not something a young teenage boy would go around saying, my greatest desire is for this. And he goes on to talk about... Um, I think he was 29 when he met his wife, Kathy, and how... That was something he wanted with all his heart and really had to wait and be patient for. And so it really touches me reading this about Thomas Marsh and makes me really love him. Very similar to Joseph Smith, very similar to President Eyring, very similar to us who have desires to create righteous families. Okay, so I love in verse 3, lift up your heart and rejoice. For the hour of your mission has come. I know you've just joined the church, but guess what? You now, all of that research, all that time that you have taken to come to a knowledge of it, you get to go and declare to other people. And I love in verse 4, declare the things which have been revealed by my servant Joseph Smith. Preach that he is the prophet. Go out and talk. And that was said to Oliver Cowdery too. And so I do think it's interesting that both are told to preach the words of Joseph Smith. I mean, I'm sure all apostles are told that, but it's interesting to me because both end up falling away. And so obviously this is foreshadowing and something the Lord sees a weakness in them to really prophesy of Joseph Smith being the mouthpiece of God. And it's very easy for them to see Joseph's weaknesses, um, that he wasn't educated. And I do think it. It is interesting that both are told to go and preach his words, and I really believe it, so that they have a testimony, too, of Joseph Smith's role as the prophet. Again, this is a very new church. This is a very new experience for everyone. So it's not so hard to 
to believe that there would be some struggles in that. Okay, thrust in your sickle, your sins are forgiven. And again, I love every time the Lord says that. And I love that we have that opportunity to hear that when we take that sacrament. Your back will be laden with sheaves, which is blessings. And um, in verse 6, Verily I say unto you, go from them, and that's your family, for just a little time. I will prepare a place for them. And I love that he's saying, I know this is in your heart, and you're worried about this, and I honor that. And I will watch over and prepare a place for them. Trust me. And that, again, is beautiful. I feel like that is said to Joseph Smith a lot. Um, Trust me, I will take care of your family. Dedicate your time to the church. And that's a huge, that's a hard thing. Okay, I will open the hearts of the people in verse 7, and they will receive you. And I will establish a church by your hand. That is awesome. Their hearts are prepared. They're ready. Go and and preach and boy the joy we've been promised if we bring one soul and he's going to bring many and you shall strengthen them verse 8 and prepare them against the time when they will will be gathered and then again here be patient in your afflictions verse 9 revile not against those that revile govern your house in meekness and be steadfast and I love this I have right here patient meek steadfast that's the key to stay with the church to stay faithful and strong patient meek steadfast and that steadfast is the scriptures and the prayer and doing those constant things and i just love that he has no reviling because again when we look at the fruits of who we list to obey christ never reviled we are meek and we are patient and we know in whom we have trusted and it's God. And so we don't speak the language of anger. We don't speak the language of contention. So no reviling. And then I love in verse 10, this really um, was the verse that jumped out to me. Behold, I say to you that ye shall be a physician to the church, not to the world, for they will not receive you. And it just immediately jumped to my head that scripture in Luke five thirty one. The whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And he was coming into um, a church that was really being built up. And so these people whose hearts were prepared, who had done what he had done, who had done what Joseph Smith had done, they had been searching for truth and its purity, truth that had been lost from the earth. Go find them and to be compared as a physician healing well, the Savior is is called our great physician, our master healer. And so I just find that so beautiful. And the greatest joy we can have is being used, we are told, as an instrument in God's hands. And that's so true as parents and in callings and as we do missionary work and we find people and bring them to the feet of the Savior. So I love this, that he is compared to a doctor. I just think that's beautiful. Okay. Go wherever you will, in verse 11, it shall be given you by the Comforter. You will be guided by the Spirit. And so here again is this um, what counsel for all of us. Pray always, verse 12, lest ye enter into temptation and lose your reward. Well, again, that's the foreshadowing. So first foreshadowing, preach what Joseph Smith has, has taught. He needs to have a ironclad testimony of the prophet being the mouthpiece of God. And he needs to look past the weaknesses and faults and know 
who God calls, he qualifies, and he's going to find it as he goes out and preaches. He's going to find out how much he is capable of when being used by the Lord and being used in conjunction with the Spirit. Okay, second, he is told, pray always, and we're told that, that lest you come off so that we can come off conqueror, lest Satan overcomes us. And so I love this, lest you enter into temptation and lose your reward. I mean, it's obvious from the get-go that great things are in store for Thomas Marsh. He's going to be called as an apostle very quickly here, and he will be the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. And um, it just, there is great persecution. There is great adversity to come. And the Lord has so much in mind for these young, young, great men that he has brought into the church and women, Emma and all of these people. And man, what is the buffetings they're going to go through to make their roots strong and to make their fruit sweet. And it's coming. So pray always. I love that. 13, be faithful to the end. I am with you. These words are not of man, but of me, Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. And so I just love this counsel and this example to the rest of us that God has a work for us to do. And if we are faithful in everyday pair with him, how great will be our reward and how much greater will be the work that we do if we you if we do what he asks. And I love that um, Thomas Marsh is really counseled and warned things that will come if he does not listen. But I love his heart, his desire to find this truth and his desire for his family. And I so relate to that. And so in reading this, it really makes me go, it's not a one and done. We have to be faithful and vigilant because Satan so desires that he will have us, right? And so we know in whom we've trusted. We know where our strength lies. And thank heavens we have these examples of these great men to be a warning for us and to be an example for us. And I love his humility when he will come back years later and and forthright tell them his weaknesses and repent. And so he really understands this. Um, one of the things it tells us in verse 10 when it calls him a physician is he sat on many church courts. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because that's such foreshadowing, which for what is to come for him. He knows the love that goes into that and praying by the Spirit to know what the Lord would have you do with these people who are not doing what they're supposed to or have covenanted to do. He is well aware and God gives him so many opportunities so that he will understand because God sees what's coming if we are not careful, if we are not valiant. And Thomas Marsh is a great example because here was a great man. So that lies in all of us. And it is such an example to all of us. So I love that. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.